From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Pastor Mike Douglas here, welcoming you to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Of course, with us, our producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan, and our faithful prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl. Al Ramsey with us as well. Great to have you with us wherever you may be in the world. And uh, we just thank you for being part of the uh, Lighthouse Live and Advancing Vibrant Communities uh, family. And tonight? Yes. Tonight, a crucial, in fact, if you have a record button, tonight is the night you want to press it. And uh, if you'd like a copy of tonight's broadcast, let us know. We'll be happy to send you a, a CD or you can catch it on lighthouselive.blogspot.com, which always sounds like something that hit your windshield on the way to Reno. Yeah, blogspot. I've got a blogspotting. Lighthouselive.blogspot.com, and uh, it'll be up there uh, so that you can listen to it uh, again. Uh, It'll be up uh, by tomorrow afternoon. Uh, But this is an important broadcast tonight. We're going to be talking about the H1N1 virus, uh, swine flu, as some of you uh, may have known it, and um, especially within the faith community, what we can do to mitigate uh, the spread of this because uh, I think as we'll learn a little bit later on it's not a matter of if uh, but a matter of when we're going to be uh, dealing with this. Before we uh, introduce our special guest tonight let's check with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey what's up this is Toby Mack with news of another group of real-life Jesus freaks. Why would ten young Russian Christians gather in a cemetery around the tomb of a martyr? Well, in the Soviet Union 50 years ago, bishops of the state were allowed only to ordain ministers approved by the Communist Party. So these men gathered praying secretly to be ordained by the Holy Spirit. One explained, It is like the church in the first centuries. What seminaries did those attend who turned the world upside down for Christ? We are ordained by the pierced hands of Jesus. It's a good reminder that you and I don't need to wait for official government approval to serve God. Get a global perspective from the Voice of the Martyrs. Go online to persecution.com. And back with you live here on Lighthouse Live. Again, Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with Elaine Harlan. And uh, special guests uh, tonight that Elaine will introduce in just a couple of minutes. Again, tonight we'll be addressing uh, how we can mitigate, especially in the faith-based community, the spread of the H1N1 uh, virus. Before we do that, though, um, I want to get back to you about the airport neighborhood cleanup. 
that we had a couple of weeks ago because we got some stats in last Tuesday night. Uh, the city counted over 500 volunteers. You were there. In fact, Five, you opened up in prayer that night. That's well, and and uh, fortunately, they didn't beg me and no, send me to the. No, that was a good thing. Yeah, that, that was, was a good thing. thing. But uh, over 500 volunteers came out to clean the alleyways and byways and and to paint out graffiti in the airport neighborhood. Just a wonderful, wonderful effort. And uh, 38, over 38 tons of debris were hauled out of the airport neighborhood by uh, volunteers from local churches um, uh, back on uh, September 12. We just thank you, yes. especially those of you that uh, that turned out. What a blessing uh, that was. And speaking of, of a blessing, we share this uh, in the in the serving church this this past Sunday, and our good friend um, Pastor Ross Bryles, uh, he's always good for finding stuff that nobody else that. finds. But he found this quote. This is from an ancient Franciscan blessing. I think you're going to like this. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half truths, and superficial relationships, so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may wish for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's awesome. And that comes from? That is from a book called. <laughs> don't don't send me cards oh, and letters. Start it's with it's me. a interest, very interesting book. It's called A Renegade's Guide to God. A Renegade's Guide to God, written by by uh, David Foster, and uh, it's just uh, anyway. Thought thought you'd enjoy that uh, oh, that quote I with us. I love that. That yeah. was wonderful. Let's take a a quick look at some opportunities to volunteer. This comes from the Volunteer Center of the United Way, the Stanislaus Shade Tree Partnership, Bob Schmall Memorial mm. Tree Planting, and what a fine tribute we attended to Bob right. Schmall on Friday of last week. This is going to take place uh, this coming Saturday, October 3rd, in the Weed and Seed neighborhood, and it's going to honor his memory as a lasting legacy in the community that he loved and served. Uh, individual volunteers and groups are needed to plant 124 trees at designated locations throughout this West Modesto neighborhood. Volunteers will meet at 8 in the morning at Marshall Park in Modesto and are, are asked to bring shovels, gloves, and water. Volunteers of all ages are welcome, but youth under the age of 16 uh, will need to be accompanied by an adult. Deadline to register is coming up quickly. Uh, an additional tree plant Planting is scheduled on Saturday, October 17th. That's in the airport neighborhood we were just speaking about. Uh, the Stanislaus Shade Tree Partnership is a collaboration between the Greater Modesto Tree Foundation, Modesto Irrigation District, Paradise South Weed and Seed, Stanislaus County Sheriff Department, and other community organizations. Now, uh, we had to, the opportunity to register many volunteers just this past Thursday morning and at lunchtime over at Johansson High School for their volunteer day over there. And that was a great time. Hundreds upon hundreds of students stopped by the ABC table and uh, inquired and signed up for that. So we are definitely looking forward to this uh, event. Now, you've seen the signs, election signs, that is. The Stanislaw County Elections Office, a consolidated district election, is going to be held on Tuesday, November 3rd. Don't forget to vote. Volunteers ages 18 years and older.
older are needed to serve as election officers, bilingual election officers, and on-call election officers from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. on Election Day. Uh, election officers help set up the voter precinct, maintain security of the ballots and voting equipment, and assist voters as necessary. This is a very important and worthwhile thing. We don't want that thing that happened in Florida sometime back to happen again. <laughs> Dr. Walker shaking his head. He knows. Now, a $95 stipend is offered for the volunteers' time and commitment, uh, which includes a mandatory three- to four-hour training class, and that's uh, offered October 13th through the 24th in Modesto, Oakdale, and Turlock. Training will provide a, a great overview of the election process as well as hands-on the equipment and just to ensure that proper set up and everything goes correctly as we were talking about. Interested uh, people must be registered voters in California and attend the training. So uh, applications are available online at www.standvote.com. So get out there and let your light shine in your community. And it's health fair time. This is a a great uh, thing for all of us to consider. El Concilio Community Center, uh, a binational health fair, will be held Sunday, October 4th. That's coming up between 9 and 2. And this takes place at the Hanshaw Middle School in Modesto. Uh, This community health fair will provide free services to the public, including medical, dental, diabetes screening, mammograms, uh, mental health education, community resources, uh, workshops, activities, fun, uh, games and prizes, volunteers, uh, 16 years and older needed to help out with the event, setting up, cleaning up, directing patients and child care refreshments. And most especially needed are Spanish, English interpreters to uh, assist the physicians and patient contact. Uh, El Concilio serving the Latino population. uh, And if you need more information on this, we'll give you uh, that phone number to call is 209-524-1307, extension 113. And Barbara Borba answers that phone. She'd love to hear from you again. 209-524-1307, extension 113. And you know, ABC has always been about loving your neighbor as you love yourself, and that's what we will always be about. Our volunteers right now have the opportunity to do things like donate and install some water heaters uh, for Mm. a resident. Actually, this person is living alone. She's disabled in a mobile home, has no running hot water. Uh, and someone needs to uh, repair a hot water heater in another situation and a shower knob as well. Uh, we need donations of furniture. A family who had uh, a house fire some months back now has permanent shelter and needs some household furniture. Rides to medical appointments, and the list goes on. Uh, please check out our daily update page with opportunities to serve. That's www.vibrantcommunities.org. Org, or give us a call here at 209-544-9571, and we would be happy to connect you with those opportunities. Well, you know, we are more than just a little honored tonight to have uh, back with us tonight, and he's back again for more fun, and hope it's not abusive, Dr. Walker, but Dr. John Walker, who is the doctor of Stanislaus County. Can we say that? He is just the doctor of this entire county and probably some more, and with him, a vital member of his team, Julie Falkenstein, and um, Julie is a a nurse with the uh, health system here with the uh, Stanislaw County Health uh, Service Agency, and hopefully we know by now 
that H1N1 is not a remedial course in alphabet and numbers, but it is a household word, right, Dr. John? You want to step up to a little closer to your microphone and just catch us up on where we are and what we need to know, because it is a household word, and if it isn't, it should be, because we're talking pandemic. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I want to start by sharing with your listeners um, uh, a term that was coined by the Trust for uh, America's Health. And what it says is, don't be scared, be prepared. Hey. Mm-hmm. And it's very important for your listeners to know that um, the H1N1 uh, swine flu virus um, is very similar to seasonal flu that we see year in and year out. But the difference is that it is a pandemic, which means it's worldwide and uh, we do not yet have a vaccine. Now, it's on its way, but it's not here. Uh, so it's important uh, for your listeners to know that. Um, we have uh, been impacted uh, in this county with uh, lots of cases, um, but uh, the vast majority of them have been outpatients and most are mild to moderate. Talk to us a little bit, Dr. Walker. We had a wonderful, wonderful exercise Mm. a couple of months ago, and it was for a pandemic um, scenario much like this. And, in fact, uh, our chairman of the board, Dr. Robert Chen, was uh, was there present and and checking uh, symptoms and doing uh, helping with the triage and, and that sort of thing. Uh, in, in relation to what we're now, this is not an exercise. This is the real deal we're, we're looking at now. What are some of the lessons that we learned from that exercise a couple of months ago that that uh, have given us a little more wisdom in in uh, in approaching the real thing uh, potentially now coming up uh, here in the Central Valley? I think there were uh, several important lessons. And uh, I like to use the term the Chief Hinshaw, who's at the Office of Emergency Services, talks about, which is, as a county, we need to think about the three C's, communicate, Mm. collaborate, and coordinate. Mm. And the lessons that we learned from that exercise is the first C is communicate. Mm. And we used a number of forms of communication, lots of collaboration, lots of coordination. One of the things that was intrinsic to that exercise is the recognition of the limited infrastructure um, of our healthcare community. The reality is that most of the time, our hospitals are almost full, mm-hmm. 80 to 85% many times. And so for an epidemic, never mind a pandemic, uh, we have to look at uh, alternatives. We've been working uh, very hard with our clinic systems on ways to... Um, 
to enhance their capacity. We've been working with the private doctors as to uh, how to do some telephone triage. Mm. Um, we've been appealing to employers uh, not to uh, require work excuses for those who are home with the flu because that takes the doctor's time. We've been working with the school system and uh, as regards the need for a medical excuse for children who have been home with the flu. These are things that help to relieve the burden on our health care system. And then uh, very importantly, uh, a lesson learned is the need for volunteers. Mm. Yes. Um, your very own Elaine Harlan was uh, um, in charge of volunteers, did a great job, mm-hmm. Elaine. <laughs> and uh, just as we needed volunteers, then we will need volunteers this flu season. Um, one of the things that we have developed is a medical reserve corps. And uh, that does not require that you be licensed. It just requires a willingness to uh, learn more about emergency response uh, as a volunteer. Um, so uh, we learned a lot, and we're implementing a lot of the things that we learned. John, if we have volunteers listening right now, and, and you perk their ears up with that statement for the need, how can they respond to that with the medical corps of, of volunteers? I know Mary Sherwood was very, very instrumental. Yes. She's just, you have a team unlike yes. any other, I yes. must say that. Uh, we just, we, you are so blessed. How can they respond to that? Sure. Um, there's information posted on the county website at www.stanemergency.com. Also on the Health Services Agency website at www.hsahealth.org.org. Um, I can give you a phone number. Hey, go for it. Uh, 209-558-8332. I think that's Very it. Very good. And if you're wrong, we'll dig up some FBI records and all this stuff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's terrific. Thank you so much. You know, we were just saying that you have an incredible team, and Julie joined you tonight, and uh, uh, Julie's a nurse, and uh, she uh, has just been doing a tremendous job over there. I don't know. I haven't met anybody over there with you on the team that is not. They work so hard, and I hope you're paying them very, very well. <laughs> talk about that later. At this point, getting paid is a major <laughs> yes, uh, something in itself. But, you know, they work very long hours, and I know you do as well, John, and um, and the volunteers also, and it's just uh, a privilege for us to uh, to be uh, partnering with you on, on some of these uh, projects, which we're just thrilled uh, to do that. Getting the word out, the communicating and the collaborating, and um, we, you know, we think about emergencies, but the H1N1 is here, isn't it, Julie? Very much so. Yes. It's, I think, been here. I don't think it ever left. It came in the fall and stayed through the summer, and or came in the spring, I in guess. In the spring. As a matter of fact, it came in the spring, came in the spring. Right after, all summer. Right yeah. after our exercise. That's it was like right. The Within a week. week. We're going, what? Within yes. a week. Right. Such timing. You know, I had the opportunity to be in the ERs of both hospitals this weekend for variety of reasons, not for me, no, you know, no. but, uh, to, to help other people. 
And, you know, friends, I'll, I'll tell you, the waiting rooms were just absolutely packed. There were no chairs available. Uh, people were, were on gurneys in the hallway, you know, lined up. And uh, you were talking about the infrastructure, Dr. Walker. And, and you know, in, in our culture, unfortunately, we're so used to automatically going to the ER for whatever it is. And this was just a regular weekend. You know, and people were stacked up like hardwood, you know, waiting to be seen. And the triage people were getting, you know, I mean, they're, they're, you know, taking coffee intravenously, but, you know, by this time, <laughs> it was a, you know, it was an yes. amazing thing. And so if that's a normal weekend, you know, I would imagine that if the, when the H1, H1N1 touches down, it's almost going to be an instantaneous, um, stoppage. I mean, it, how, you can't fit 50 pounds into a five-pound bag, you know. So, in this process of of, of uh, putting out information, what can we tell people as far as their contribution to not overwhelming our infrastructure and doing what they can uh, to avoid being impacted by that that funnel that that comes down to a, a very uh, small access resource. Well, several things. I think the most important thing for your listeners to be aware of is that the the H1N1 virus has been here for months. Um, clearly, it became evident in July um, and has continued uh, throughout the summer. So in terms of what your viewers, uh, your listeners uh, can do, Again, we would refer them to a resource on the website www.stanemergency.com, which has self-care guidelines. I think one of the things that uh, many people present to the emergency department for is wanting to know, do I have it? So the answer is... If you have what appears like flu, not a head cold, but that's fever, body aches, you've got H1N1. It's not exotic. It's widespread. There are thousands of cases in this county, and the vast majority of them respond to self-care. Most of the time... You don't need to see the doctor about it. If if your listeners will look at these guidelines that have been reviewed by doctors, originally put together by the Centers for Disease Control, I think it will clearly tell them what are the things that they need um, and what are the indications for seeking medical treatment. If they want to be tested, they it's important for all of your listeners to know that the tests are not very useful. Mm. They take generally at least a week to get back. Well, my goodness, by that time, you're well again. <laughs> um, the There are so many cases in California that the state health department is only requiring us to report those who are hospitalized. And they're really only asking the testing to be done on those who are critically, and I emphasize critically ill. 
Now, there are some times when your listeners absolutely need to call the doctor. And that is if they are in a high-risk group. I was going to ask you about that. Who's at risk? High-risk groups, if that's what you have, you, you, you need to take what's called an antiviral. One of the trade names is Tamiflu. Now, it should not be used by everybody. The vast majority of people who have influenza, the H1N1, do not need Tamiflu. Tamiflu, over-the-counter? No, it's a prescription drug, uh, and it's about $190 per treatment course. So this is this is expensive medicine. Insurance covers no. Some do, some don't, and your viewers need to know that in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for those who are uninsured and don't have resources, um, there there are some some options here within the county. So anyone who needs it can get it. But the important thing is who should have it. Uh, first on the list is pregnant women. Right. It is approved for pregnant women. Uh, next are uh, children, uh, especially below the age of two, who have the H1N1. Uh, those with chronic medical disorders, uh, and that includes diabetes, uh, heart disease, uh, lung disease, but for most healthy people, it's not necessary. Any known side effects to Tamiflu, Dr. Walker? That's a good question. You know, when you watch that's, you know, TV that's, ads and you see that's, all these. that's a good question, <laughs> and I have to share with you uh, in the millions of doses, uh, side effects are relatively rare. The most serious side effect from a public health standpoint is when people uh, only take a part of the dose. You know, you you give a five-day supply and they feel better in two days. Well, what happens is we then end up with resistant viruses. Ah. This is a very important public health intervention for this virus. And thank God... There are very few reports of resistance. However, however, Elaine, the seasonal virus that we had uh, this year, you know, last season's flu, it was totally Tamiflu resistant. Wow. Hmm. So although there's a place for it, frankly, it's relatively limited. Um, so those are the things that uh, Pastor Mike uh, your listeners can use to help relieve the, the tremendous burden on our medical system. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your website as, as we're talking here. Great information, uh, on it. And, and again, friends, we encourage you to, to visit either stanemergency.com, that's stanemergency.com, or hsahealth.org, hsahealth.org. Great, uh, bullet points here, really simple. <clears throat> tells you what you can do to help mitigate. In fact, right here on our table, we have an alcohol-based hand uh, cleaner. Don't you love our centerpiece? <laughs> yeah, Good and for you. Uh, Good for you. and that you know that's that's mentioned here. Uh, and, and and Julie, talk to us a little bit. 
not all hand cleaners are created the same when it comes to being effective. Talk to us a little bit about what people should be looking for in terms of a, a, a hand cleaner, alcohol-based hand cleaner that will really uh, do the job and, and help protect them against the virus. Alcohol-based is the key phrase there. Um, so it, it becomes a, an education point. Turn the bottle around, read the label on the back, um, and I think it's 60%. It, it needs to be at least 60% um, alcohol. And it's not a, a rub-on and kind of fly away. It's, it's a rub-on and rub-in mm. until it, it, your hands are dry. Um, is kind of the proper usage of alcohol-based hand sanitizer. And I've noticed uh, a lot of our banks now have, you know, have that, especially as, you know, people handling money and, and, and this. Of course, we, we don't want to become, you know, go over the edge and, you know, it, I mean, we have to do life. Yes. You know, we have to do life. But there are common sense things that, that we can do, and, and maybe Julie talk about some of those other common sense things that we can do to, uh, and for, for example, today my son, uh, got a little sick to the stomach this morning, and man, they sent him home like boom, you know. <laughs> and I said, he says, well, usually they let me stay. I said, Joshy, we're in a different day right now, and, uh, you know, you're not exhibiting the symptoms, but they don't know that at that point, you know. So I know the schools are, are, uh, are really watching out, and, and they're taking your, your wisdom as well. So maybe you hit a couple of those common sense things that, that we can do to help uh, prevent the spread. Wash your hands. Mm. <laughs> That's probably the biggest. Um, is just practice good hand hygiene. Um, warm water, soap, um, the happy birthday song twice while you're doing it. Make sure you get the back of your hands. Um, that That's huge. When you cough, when you sneeze, please don't do it into your hands. Your hands, if you think about it, touch absolutely everything. Um God gave us the crook of our elbow, <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing to use when you're going to cough or sneeze. Just do it into your elbow. Do it into your shoulder if you've got sleeves on. Um, I was going to say, you're a contortionist. <laughs> well, and sometimes <laughs> you, you might look like one, but you know what? You're not then coughing or sneezing into your hands that's and right. touching the doorknob or touching the table or touching whatever else it is we touch in the course of living our daily lives. Um, well, and in fact, Dr. Walker and I, you know, normally I would shake hands with the good doctor. This known was each really other, cool. And we it. gave each other, you know, the high elbow here. And, uh, That's a manly you know? man thing to do. That looked really cool. Did you see that, Julie? I did see that, yes. Yeah. I love it. And quite effective and, and a bit of fun. And a bit of fun. <laughs> and a bit yeah. of fun. That's right. So uh, some other things is that if you don't feel well, stay home. Mm. If you have a temperature, if you've got respiratory symptoms, um, a cough particularly, um, congestion. But really, if you don't feel good, don't go contaminate the world. <laughs> take care of yourself. Take good care of yourself. Get rest. Um, make sure you're eating a healthy diet. Some real basic things that I think public health preaches on a pretty regular basis yes. um, that's important to do. It's important to pay attention to. Just get enough sleep. Some real basic Sorts of things. 
We want to share things, but this is one thing we do not want to share. Right, Correct. Yes, yes, absolutely. We have so much more uh, coming up. But I tell you what, Natalie Grant has a great reminder in this week's song. It's called Our Hope Endures. And we'll return right after on Lighthouse Live. You would think only so much can go wrong.
That's Natalie Grant. Our hope endures. She says, let the earth quake. Just let it happen. Here on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, Dr. John Walker, and Julie Falkenstein. And we are so blessed to have them as our honored guest this week as we take a look at H1N1, otherwise known as swine flu. And it is, no doubt, a household world, a word around the world. It's a pandemic. And, you know, as our hope does endure, uh, Dr. Walker, was talking earlier about uh, not allowing it to uh, overcome us with fear. And when we have the hope that uh, endures uh, within us, we know that uh, Christ is our hope. And, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, a little project that Julie and I have uh, been working on uh, for the past, what has it been, a, a couple All weeks or so. Weeks, it's been wonderful. Uh, we've been addressing uh, some uh, issues, uh, some items that we can pass along to the faith-based community. And, and Julie, why don't you share with our listeners uh, what kinds of things that we've been taking a look at that we may be able to share with the community of believers? I think it starts with the recognition that um, our faith community, our church family, is in fact a family. They are people that we love and spend time with and hug and shake hands with. And, but because of that inherent familiness of it, it also puts us at higher risk for flu transmission mm. and recognizing that there are some things that we can do to protect those that we love and protect those that we worship with. Um, and that's really kind of what this is born out of is the realization that that we have a responsibility to pr- do, to yeah. protect the people around us. So, um that's where this started. You know, probably where many of our listeners worship and attend services, whether it be Saturday nights, Sunday mornings, Wednesdays, whenever you attend worship. I don't know. And Julie and I found out early on after working together, we're pretty touchy-feely people. We hug and we love, you know, a lot of people handshake and and whatever. But, you know, that's that transmission things. And, yeah, we've got the alcohol-based hand cleaner and everything. But we're warm, loving people. And... I don't know about you. That's hard for me to overcome, if you will. And I'm not sure that I want to overcome that. (laughs) But, you know, in this day and age where we have to think about these common sense kinds of things, we're going to have to take a look at some of the ways that we do things and kind of encourage our brothers and sisters to do the same thing. Yeah. And it and I don't necessarily think we need to not be warm and fuzzy and fuzzy. Yes. (laughs) Warm and cuddly. Um, I think we just need to be wise about it. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the whole, if you don't feel good, stay home. Right. You know, stay home, which is hard to do when it's the one or two days a week you get to see these folks. Um, and at the same time, it goes back to the responsibility to protect people around us. Um, so it's stay home. Don't give them the hug that day, you know, and be respectful when somebody says, you know what, I probably shouldn't. We shouldn't touch today. <laughs> I'm going to keep you at arm's air length. Hugs. Yeah. Group air hugs. Um, <laughs> so there, it's being wise in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I joked about passing hand sanitizer down yes. the aisle after the passing of the piece, yes. um, which is kind of silly. And yet at the same time, why not? Why not? You know, we were, we were at a meeting. I think it was a city ministry network. And I think, Dr. Walker, you were presenting. 
and uh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Lynette uh, Stein from Bethany Christian Services. Anyway, somebody had... You, you were talking about hand sanitizer. You're going through all this stuff about the pandemic, and I'm watching people that are starting to squirm. And anyway, I, I might have been I see, going through her purse, you know, she whips out this bottle of alcohol That's right. base. And, That's right. and by the time it got through, the, it was empty. I mean, people are going, you know, and they're, right. they're going at yeah, it with their hands. That's and, right. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it's that kind of awareness, yes. uh, you know, that we, that we really need to make part of our, our daily. I have a question for you, especially as far as employers go. Um, are employers getting the message? Or are, are they being receptive to this fact that, gee, you know, if you're an employee, nor, I mean, you know, we grew up in an era, and I grew up in the fire and rescue and, and law enforcement thing, and you came, if unless you were flat out and you had no pulse, you showed up for work, you know, you just do. Now it's a different story. Are, are employers responding to this and saying, hey, you know, we need to be a little bit lenient on, on being off work here because our whole workforce could get wiped out? Pastor Mike, I, I would have to say, this is a process, not a proclamation. Mm. Mm. I think that employers are increasingly aware, uh, especially large employers. Uh, but I think that the challenge that we face is that in the current economy, staffing is so lean that uh, employers are having to make some hard choices. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, clearly, uh, this is uh, a judgment issue, but I really encourage um, the employers who are listening, uh, even those of you who have one and two and five employees, to please go to that website and take a look at some of those precautions. We recognize how lean you're running but the reality is that if um, 30% of your workforce is out, uh, it's going to be tough for mm-hmm. you anyway. Mm-hmm. And so um, it goes back to the old ounce of prevention. Um, the reality is, the reality is that we have learned that if you can institute the prevention measures that we're sharing with you, that you're likely to decrease um, the impact of this outbreak uh, on your workforce and on your business. Mm. Julie, question for you, especially in the church environment. The people working in the two-year-old department, then you know, yeah. the, the infant department, and, I mean, that's germ city. In a regular, you know, without a pandemic going on, there are germs galore, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, what... Um, I mean, you got to pick up the baby. You got to pick up the two-year-old. You know, <laughs> they are sweet germs, <laughs> but, but they are germs. <laughs> they are germs, germs. nonetheless. <laughs> yes. Let's so we really have a, a really a, a, an incubator uh, ready within within the faith-based community. We just need, yeah. need to be very wise as we execute our duties there, right? We really do, and that's one of the things that Elaine and I have done is we've kind of broken out some different areas of some things to think about. Hmm. Um, and the fact that we have child care and Sunday school and youth communion, group, well, communion. Oh. Yeah, we have not, not even going there yet, but just like thinking about moments 
um, where we've got lots of kids together and knowing that kids are Mm. one of our high risk groups Mm. and young kids are around some of our higher, like higher risk groups. When we talk about women of childbearing age and pregnancy and the fact that those are real kind of both prime incubators because everybody, I mean, I know in my own church, like we've got a few babies that just kind of make the rounds. They've got half a dozen grandparents sitting in our, in our congregation and everybody takes turns because everybody's grandma or grandpa to these babies. Sure. That's great. And so one of the things, so that's one of the things to think about is kind of what are your own. And it started me thinking about my own church as well. Like what are our policies surrounding Mm -hmm. when kids are sick? What do we do? When employees are sick or volunteers are sick that work with kids, what do we do? Um, what's our cleaning policy for toys? I mean, mm. surfaces, yes. surfaces. Um, oh. things that I haven't thought about that probably other people have. Um, yeah, Dr. Walker. What is your opinion about pregnant women working in child care mm. in the faith community? That's hard. That's hard. That's really hard. Um, because pregnant women um, are such so at risk, and because their babies are so at risk once they have those infants, because we can't vaccinate babies under six months, um, keeping those moms healthy matters. And for a whole lot of reasons, not just for that baby, but also for that mom, because pregnancy changes a woman's body, and so it, she's at She's at greater risk of having really severe complications from flu. In my own congregation, I'd avoid it. Okay. I mean, I just, just out of being protective of those moms okay. and their babies. Um, you know, that's one of the things we talk about with healthcare workers is that if you've got a woman who's pregnant, maybe you should try to assign her to someplace that's less high risk. And to me, assigning a volunteer to someplace that's less high risk within a church setting mm-hmm. might yeah. be a wise choice to make. Yeah. Well, I think it's a it's a very different situation with a healthcare worker who is trained in infection yeah. prevention uh who has been provided personal protective equipment as part of that job assignment and someone working in childcare, which is, they're just, it's a they're huge very difference. different it is a kinds huge difference. of exposure. So that's something to, to think about. Particularly when you look at a church setting, you know, that pregnant woman probably has other kids in that group. She's probably got her best friend's kids in that group yeah, that she helps raise anyhow. Yes. You know, and so there's going to be a different relationship with those kids, too which is going to change that dynamic as well. It, it, to me, it's a high-risk situation that if you can avoid it, you really need to be avoiding just out of taking care of the people that we're all given to shepherd. Dr. Walker, just so that we don't get the perception that this is something that might be happening, you know, can you give us some um, a reality check on, uh, I don't need a you know long list of recitations on stats, but... Give us an idea of how many people have been affected and and the, the seriousness of the problem right now here in, in Stanislaus County. Um, within Stanislaus County, uh, since May, we have had uh, 66 residents uh, requiring uh, hospitalization. 
Um, six of those uh, have died uh, from uh, the infection, although five of the six had significant pre-existing uh, illness. Um, we have been very concerned that uh, 60% of our hospitalized patients uh, have been women. Uh, we have been very concerned that um, of our four deaths, three of the four women were in the childbearing age. So that's the reason why we have particular uh, concerns about women in the childbearing uh, group. Now, to when, put when, this, when we talk about deaths, yes, sir. What is it that's causing? I mean, we're thinking of flu. Why are people dying from the flu? Tell us, give us some insights into why this H1N1 virus is causing deaths in people. Um, in this particular strain of the virus, the vast majority of the deaths are from pneumonia. And so that's why one of the things that we recommend, certainly for those over the age of 65, is to get the pneumococcal vaccine that helps to protect against the most common uh, cause of pneumonia. Uh, it's also recommended for those with uh, chronic uh, illnesses. That's something I learned actually a couple of weeks ago yeah. and got in line for my pneumococcal vaccine, even mm. though I'm yes. quite shy of 65. Yeah. I qualify for other reasons. <laughs> yes. John, is there any validity to uh, the immunity factor? Some of us were around when the pandemic of, what was it, the 60s occurred. Were we immune to, because of we were around then, or is there, that's not, True. Uh, what it is? It is true, Elaine. It is true. Um, uh, you know, I'm I'm in my sixties. You're not in your. 60s. I'm in my sixties. Oh, yeah. you don't look. Oh, so yes, I am. All right. And uh, uh, I do recall well um, the swine flu uh, outbreak in the mid seventies, uh, and I remember being uh, vaccinated for it. Um, uh, it is. Uh, uh, very clear that uh, this particular virus probably circulated uh, uh, during the 50s also. Mm. Mm. So uh, clearly uh, there is uh, at least some partial immunity, and uh, we do tend to see it rarely in those over the age uh, of 65. Okay, mm. so those age groups and, and maybe... A little bit younger, perhaps. And, and so it's not so much the age as it is they may have been in contact. Prior exposure. Prior exposure. Prior okay. Exposure. All right. So your suggestion and recommendation is to vaccinate. That is correct. Um, and one of the challenges that we're facing now is uh, having two vaccination campaigns at the same time. So I think it's very important for your listeners to know that uh, both the seasonal and the H1N1 vaccination uh, are necessary. Um, clearly, the seasonal is most important for our seniors. And clearly, the H1N1 is most important uh, for our pregnant women, for our health care workers, and for school children. 
We have uh, we have about seven or eight minutes left, um, Doctor Walker and, and, and Julie, and I, I just want to say that you are you really are one of the treasures of, yes, of this community. Absolutely. Uh, as, as a believer, how you've uh, conducted yourself, and I know there are times when you have to do stuff that I know sometimes bumps up against uh, doctrine and theology, and and sometimes we're just in those positions where we have to make the best of of the situation. And you have done an incredible job of carrying out your duties and uh, in in that environment and uh, being true uh, to your calling. Um, As the county medical officer, uh, you know, who really... The health of this county is on your shoulders, (laughs) you know, as as people look at you. How can people pray for you? I mean, you have an incredibly tough gig in this city, and you've got wonderful people like like Julie working for you and and others. But how can people pray for you? Because I imagine you you really face some special challenges, and and you could maybe use an extra dose of prayer, especially uh, during this season. Well, I, I, I'm blushing. I know you, you can't see it. <laughs> You'd have to be here to fully appreciate this. Um, but I, you know, I, I would, I, I would have to say this. I would say that the the prayer and intercession needed is for guidance Mm. it's for levity it's for the fruit of the spirit and um, a message that i i heard from my pastor yesterday um uh which which he entitled hidden service Mm. i think that i think that at least for me um what i see this as is an opportunity to be a public servant yes mm-hmm. yes and as such it means you don't have an agenda mm-hmm. you're a public servant and so um i'm i'm import i'm really fortunate to have a role model in Cleemore. Uh, our administrative lady. director, yes. who who is a declared servant leader, yes. and so one of the things that has been so fortunate for me is really to um, to 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 be placed the right place at the right time. Um, as you know, most of my career is actually in federal service. Right. And so this is my first opportunity at the local level. I've been here in the county for 20 years, but only nine years as the county health mm-hmm. officer. And, um, you know, my training is clearly in population health. And, I, you know, the blessing is mine. Uh, so mm-hmm. I feel fortunate, um, but thank you for the compliment anyway. <laughs> and yes, I do appreciate mm. the prayer support. A yeah. tremendous calling and a wonderful ministry, and and you do it well. 
John, and we just uh, we are blessed. As a nurse, Julie, uh, how about you? How can people pray for you and your uh, position, and, and as you are helping educate people? Yes. Oh goodness, I think Dr. Walker summed it up <laughs> <laughs> fairly well. Um, wisdom, mm-hmm. I think, is always always needed. Wisdom and grace. And, of course, in this season, we're forced to do more with less. You know, staffs are being cut. Budgets are, are to say the budget is tight is is not even in describing the situation, especially in, in local government, and, and tough decisions have to be made staffing-wise. And it is a, a time when, uh, you know, th- those who have jobs uh, with, with local government are, are pressed to the max. And, uh, and that also brings back the, uh, the thing we talked about earlier, and that is volunteers exactly. can be utilized yes. in a tremendous yes. way. Let me give you again the, mm-hmm. the phone number and the, uh, and the websites to check out. It's stanemergency.com, stanemergency.com, or HSA, as in Health Services Agency, hsahealth.org, hsahealth.org, or you can call area code 209. 209- 558-8332-209-558-8332. Well, we just want to thank you both for taking the time out of your very busy day because I know that you both have very busy days and uh, you carved out enough time to come and share with us on this most important subject. So thank you again, Dr. John Walker and Julie Falkenstein of the Health Services Agency here in Modesto, California. And dear friends, thank you wherever you may happen to be listening to Lighthouse Live. We want to ask God's blessings on you as you continue to love your neighbors as you love yourselves.